Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina, who is accused of murdering his son, Paul, and his wife, Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a myriad of alleged crimes, including fraud and homicide. In our last episode, we continued our look at the direct examination by the state of SLED Senior Special Agent Jeff Croft as he answered questions from Creighton Waters. In this installment, we continue our review of Prosecutor Waters' questioning of Special Agent Croft. That's all coming up right after the break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It is early afternoon on Monday, January 30th, 2023, the fourth day of the Alex Murdoch murder trial. Again, Senior Special Agent Croft has short gray hair and a neatly trimmed gray beard and mustache. He wears a gray suit, a gray shirt, and a gray cross-pattern tie. When we left off at the end of our last episode, Judge Clifton Newman called for a lunch break after Special Agent Croft was describing some of the weapons and ammunition recovered from the Murdoch home several days after the murders, as captured by the body cam that Croft was wearing. We begin today as Judge Newman gavels in the afternoon session, and Prosecutor Creighton Waters continues his direct examination. Thank you. You may proceed. Uh, Senior Special Agent Croft, a couple things uh, I want to kind of go back to just as a housekeeping matter before we uh, move on to new matter. We'll show you some images and just have you generally flip through those and see if you recognize those images. Yes, sir, I do. All right, and just generally, what are these images of, if you wouldn't? Those are still images taken from my uh, body-worn camera the day of the 8th. So these are still images from the body-worn cameras that the jury saw prior to lunch? That is correct. All right, Your Honor, this time the state would move in States 163. No objection. I admit it. All right. Uh, can you tell me what this image uh, is of, please? And this, for the record, my apologies, would be States 163. That is a picture of the uh, pool table in the gun room that, with the AR-15 300 blackout sitting on the uh, pool table, which I collected out of the gun rack. All right. And that person right there, who is that? That is Mark Ball. All right, I'm going to show uh, the jury now 173. Tell me what this image is, please. That is that AR-15 rifle, 300 blackout, sitting in the uh, gun wall before it was pulled from the gun wall, placed on the table. Still image 158. Can you tell me what that is, please? That is what I was describing as the side door, which enters to the uh, gun room without going through the main part of the house. The stoop uh, and out in front of that is where items were collected. What items are you talking about? The five 300 spent uh, shell casings were collected outside, out in front of the, the stoop. Going to go now to exhibit 175, and what is that image? That is the same side door, just a different angle, same stoop. 176, tell me what that is, please. That is the 
brick landing at the bottom of the stoop and just in the center down low close to the bottom you can see a spent 300 blackout casing what do i what am i pointing out with my finger right now that is the spent 300 blackout casing exhibit number 177 tell me what this still image from your body cam reflects that is my hand and i have picked up a spent 300 blackout casing from the side of the stoop 179 uh, those are the three 300 blackout casings which were collected in front of the stoop. And now 180? Uh, that is the left-hand side of the entrance of, of the gun room, uh, just in the flower bed. All right. And uh, do we see cases in that image? You can step down if you need to. I know your screen's pretty small. You need to step down. That's fine. I, ca I can't pick it out on that picture. All right. I'm going to hand you State's Exhibit 180 and see if you... Uh, make it out uh yes sir it would be at the bottom of the uh picture about in the center all right well, let me let me have you come around and you can do it on to the back out and do it screen for the jury please it would be right here all right sounds good you can retake the stand please all right moving on to 181 tell the jury what this still image reflects please that is three of the five 300 blackout spent casings that was collected at the front of the stoop and then finally jumping the gun we have 183 tell me what that reflects that would be to the i believe the right hand side of the stoop and just at the end of my hand i'm fixing to pick up a spent spent 300 blackout casing what is my finger pointing to right there that is the 300 blackout casing which i'm talking about right before lunch uh there was a minute in the evidence states 152 and 151 and you got your readers with you? I do, yes, sir. Can you, uh, can you remind us where those, uh, those items were collected, please? The ammo was collected from the shelving in the gun room, 300 blackout ammo, uh, on 9-13 of uh, 21. And the 243 magazine with 300 blackout ammo in it was collected from a black Ford F-150 that was located on the property. And you got a knife on you? I do, yes, sir. You mind opening that exhibit for us? And let's take a look at those items, please. What you got there? It's a magazine which fits the AR style rifle that is loaded with uh, 300 blackout ammunition. All right, and can you see what brand that is on there? On the rounds that you can see? Appears to be S S and B 300 blackout. S and B 300 blackout. Yes, sir. I'm gonna take that item and I'll put this up on the screen so the jury. All right, go ahead and open the other one for me, please. Before we move on, we're not pulling all the ammo out. Does this magazine appear to be relatively full? It's pretty heavy, so it's pretty full. All right, what you got in there? This is another magazine that fits the AR-style rifle. It's loaded with 300 blackout. Can you tell the uh, particular brand of that 300 blackout? Uh, it's head snap S&B 300 blackout. All right. Let me go put that up on the screen for the jury. Just real quick before you put it back, is that we're not taking all the bullets out or uh, cartridges out, does that appear to be fairly well loaded? It's got some weight to it. It feels like it's fairly loaded. All right. If you can return that to its bag. We've been talking about guns for a while. Let's talk about something else for a minute, and then we'll get back to guns. All right, going back to June 8th, uh, 2021, were you present when uh, any efforts were made to collect uh, the cell phone belonging to Maggie Murdoch? Yes, sir, I was. All right, and who all were you present with when that, uh, in, when, when that happened? And just kind of describe the events as they took place, please. It was myself, Special Agent McAllister, Captain Ryan Neal, Dylan Hightower. There was one or two more people there, but I, I don't recall. And uh, ultimately, was that phone located? The phone was located a uh, short distance from the uh, crime scene. Where, where was it just generally? If you would come out of a driveway of the residence, take a right on Moselle Road, quarter mile, half mile. I, mean, I don't recall the exact 
distance on the left-hand side of the road, kind of in the grass area. When y'all found it, what happened then? Who, who picked it up? Who collected it? Uh, what happened to it at that point? Uh, Captain Neal picked it up. Special Agent McAllister held it in her hand while uh, a picture was taken of it, gloved hand. We were given the uh, passcode to the phone. Passcode was entered into the phone just to verify that it would work, it would unlock, and it did work, it did unlock. It was immediately locked back, and then passcode was written on a sticky note. It was packaged uh, and ultimately turned over to uh, crime scene. Okay, and you were there when all that happened, is that correct? That is correct, yes, sir. Aside from the things y'all just described, was it otherwise manipulated or tampered with or changed in any way? No, sir, it was not. All right, I'm going to show you what's been previously marked for identification at this time as uh, Exhibit 204, and have you just take a look at that and see if you recognize that item. Yes, sir, I do. All right, tell me what that item is. This is the phone that was recovered on the side of the road belonging to Miss Maggie Murdoch. The one you just described? Yes, sir, it is. The one that was secured by Captain Neal? Yes, sir, it is. And then turned over to crime scene? Yes, sir, it is. Judge Newman admits Maggie Murdoch's phone into evidence without objection. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Prosecutor Creighton Waters next pivots to a new line of questioning for Senior Special Agent Croft. Um, let me ask you this question. Do you know a guy by the name of John Bedenfield? Yes, sir, I do. And is that somebody you knew before this case? Yes, sir, it is. And uh, how do you know him, just generally? Uh, John grew up in Ball, just like myself. Uh, he actually has a son that's the same age as my son. They went to school together, played ball together. Uh, I've known John for a number of years. And what does John do for a living? Do you know? He is a DNR officer. All right. And does he have a side business? Uh, he does. And just generally, what does that side business do? He, he's got a gun business where he uh, builds, works on firearms. And prior to this case ever happening, did you ever have any conversation with John Bedenfield about whether or not he had assembled any guns for Alec Murdoch? Yes, sir, I did. And is that something that you knew prior to this case ever taking place? Yes, sir, it is. Well, let me ask you this. Did you know what type of what ammunition was used by those guns that uh, were assembled by John Bedenfield for Alec Murdoch? Yes, sir. And what ammunition was used in those guns? You're saying. Response? Yes, uh, not all for the truth of the matter asserted this time, but effect on the listener for his actions. Thank further. It's still hearsay, and I'm not sure what his actions are in response to the hearsay. I mean, it's, it's, he's asking questions about what he learned well before these crimes. Jackson's overruled. And so what was the ammunition uh, in the guns uh, 
from what John Bedenfield told you? The guns were built and chambered for 300 blackout. All right. As this case developed, did that prior fact that you knew, that that caused you to take any actions? Yes, sir, it did. And tell me what actions you took in, uh, based on that prior knowledge you had. I contacted John Bedenfield and asked him if he could provide me with uh, paperwork for the weapons that was purchased by Mr. Alec Murdoch. And was that after these particular crimes that took place? That was after, yes, sir. All right. You remember roughly when that was? Within a day or so that, that I talked to him, yes, sir. All right. And did he ultimately provide you some paperwork? Yes, sir, he did. And was that the only conversation you had with John Bedenfield about the 300 blackouts that he built for Alec Murdoch? No, sir, it was not. Was there a subsequent conversation? Yes, sir. Did you call him back or did he call you back? I called him back to require of a potential additional 300 blackout that was purchased by and paid for by Ms. Maggie Murdoch. Okay. So you called him with an inquiry, is that correct? That is correct. Tell me what your specific inquiry was to John Bedenfield that second time when, when there was a subsequent conversation. The second time that I talked to John was to inquire about whether or not he built a third 300 blackout to replace a gun that Paul had misplaced or had gotten stolen earlier in 2017. All right, and in response to that inquiry, did John Bedenfield provide you some additional paperwork? Yes, he did. All right, and I'm going to ask you to look at uh, what's been marked for identification only this time as Exhibit 247 and see if you recognize uh, that paperwork. Yes, sir, I do. All right, and just, uh, again, without describing the contents, tell the jury what this paperwork is, please. It's a copy of uh, cancel checks and copy of the uh, sale of uh, firearm. And what, this was uh, documentation that was provided to you in response to your inquiries to John Bedenfield? That is correct. And who gave this documentation to you? John Bedenfield. All right, I'm going to, uh, again, without going into the contents, look at the second page and tell me, is that the document that was provided in response to your second inquiry when you called him back about a third blackout? Yes, sir, it is. All right. Show you two exhibits. I'm going to show you what's been marked in State's Exhibit 162 first. It's a disc, and see if you recognize that particular exhibit, please. Yes, sir, I do. All right, tell me what that exhibit is. That is a video from my body worn camera of collection of shell casings. All right, and does it have a date on when that occurred on it? 6 16 2021. So this is different from what we've already talked about, is that correct? That is correct. All right, and then I'm going to show you what's been marked as Exhibit 248 and see if you recognize that particular exhibit. Yes, sir, I do. All right, and is that additional body cam footage from that search on 61621? That is correct. All right, Your Honor, at this time, I would move both Exhibits 248 and 162 into evidence. I believe that was good. Correct, Your Honor. Admit it. Waters next asks about another search of the Murdoch property that occurred nine days after the murders. So, got a search on 61621. Can you tell the jury a little bit about that search, how it, how it came to pass, what was going on, and then we'll get to the footage as to what occurred. Okay. During the investigation process, we learned that there was a shooting range and some bodies of order on the property. And, and when I say on the property, it's across the road from the incident location. Through discussion with the investigative team, it was decided that we needed to go over to that shooting range and... Uh, also search that body of water for any potential evidence that may be found. And this uh, shooting range, that was still part of the Murdoch property at Moselle, is that correct? That is correct. It was would be kind of diagonal to your left from where the uh, kennels were at. Right. And the information received was that the family used uh, that as a shooting range? That is correct, yes, sir. Go ahead and just quickly show you these and see if you recognize those. Yes, sir, I do. All right, and tell me what those are generally, please. Uh, one is the picture of the shoot house. 
the others in picture of the inside of the shoot house, and then the third picture is a picture of the area next to the waterway where we uh, collect some items. All right, Your Honor, this time I would move exhibits 184, 185, and 186. States exhibits in heaven, complete without objection. No objection. All right, very quickly, put this up on the screen. 184, again, tell the jury what that is, please. That is what I'm describing as a shoot house. It has a bench inside where you would set up to shoot targets out in front. All right, 185, what does that represent, please? That is on the inside of the shoot house, the chair, the stand where you, you would sit, and obviously the rail where you would rest your, your weapon. All right, what are these little uh, shiny things on the floor there? That's brass from firearms that's already been fired. And is that, how, is that how the scene looked when you found it? Yes, sir, it is. All right, and then finally, 186, what does that represent? That is two 12-gauge shotgun, spent shotgun shells that uh, was collected over near the waterway behind where uh, we had set our dive trailer up. Waters cues up footage from the June 16th search on the courtroom video screens. This time, I'm going to play Exhibit 162. For the record, I'm going to fast forward it to about 43 seconds into the video. Is that the shooting house as you observed it? Yes, sir, it is. I'm uh, now at 1 minute 19 seconds, and I have it paused. But tell me, what is this thing right here that's kind of up on the, on the counter of that shooting house? That would be a rest that you would put your rifle in when you're sighting it in or, or shooting downrange at targets to help stabilize it. All right, when you're sighting it in, just real quick, to explain with the jury what you're trying to do when you sight in a rifle that you would use that rest for. When you're zeroing your rifle, whether it be 100 yards, 200 yards, you want to hold a rifle as still as possible, obviously. You would have a target downrange at whatever distance you're sighting it in at. Uh, you would fire one, two, three rounds, and then you would adjust your, your uh, optics and continue till you get it zeroed to where, where you want it. Zero means the shooting where you're aiming? Yes, sir. Ultimately, and I'm going to fast forward through a, a fair amount of this, but ultimately, after seeing those cases on the floor, did you see any 300 blackout that you recognized just looking down with 300 blackout? Yes, sir, I did. All right. And did you send Special Agent David Owen to go get some envelopes so you could collect those? Yes, sir, I did. And ultimately, did you collect about 17 SMB cases at that location? Yes, sir, I did. On the screen, the jury sees Senior Special Agent Croft discussing items with his colleague, David Owen. Hold it. What is it? 300. 300 blackout? Mm-hmm. Edge down is S and B. Okay. 300. That AACBLK. What are you reading out right there? I'm reading the numbers, the identifiers off the head stamp of the uh, shell casing. S and B. 300. AACBLK. Same ammunition? Yes, sir. Same thing? Yes, sir, it is. All in all, over the ensuing three minutes, the jury sees the witness identify approximately 17 identical shell casings in the video. Prosecutor Waters takes Senior Special Agent Croft through each of those identifications and then moves on to ask, you participated at multiple searches at various locations on the Murdoch property at Moselle Road, is that correct? Yes, sir, I did. Did you repeatedly find S&B 300 blackout ammunition, both fired and unfired, at various locations throughout that property? 
Yes, sir, I did. All right, we'll do one more very quick one, and this will be Exhibit 248. And I'm going to fast forward to about 102, and I've got it paused, but tell us generally where we are and what we're seeing here again, please, if you would. This location is going to be between where the shoot house was located and the body of water that was there. It's uh, where we had our, uh, our dive trailer set up and table set up uh, with a shade so that we, we could actually get out of the weather if we needed to. And uh, are you collecting any items here? Yes, sir, I am. And what are you collecting? Uh, spent 12-gauge shotgun shells. Right, I'm going to let that play for a second. I'm going to show you again what's been marked as Stacey's Exhibit the 21. And are there, in fact, shotgun shells present in there? There is. Right. And where were those collected from, those red shotgun shells? It's depicted on the video on the Murdoch property right near the waterway. All right. At the uh, shooting range. Talk about some of the things that you did in this case, and you've told this jury that a primary focus that you had here because of your general knowledge of firearms was to gather that type of evidence. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes, sir. And with that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join our next installment as we continue our review of the testimony of SLED Special Agent Croft as Creighton Waters continues his direct examination of the witness. As Croft answers questions about an interview with Alex Murdoch that he participated in several days after the murders. Also, check out the Crime Story Podcast Night Raid wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.